Well, good evening and welcome to, to tonight's uh, meeting of the Design Review Committee. Uh, Madam Chairman, can you please call the roll? Committee member Tomasello. Here. Vice Chair Groudon. Here. Chair Antelman. set aside for public communication and talk about any item that is not on tonight's agenda. Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak otherwise any item not on the agenda? Yes, I have two people who wish to speak during public comment. We'll start with Carol Spector, followed by Wendy Sauter. Um, hello, DRC members, uh, staff, and fellow residents. Um, after attending the last meeting on March 31st, we have the following comments and suggestions that we hope will make this process better for everybody. You DRC members should be made aware of all warrants, exceptions, and concessions that are being asked for by an applicant. We know it's not in your purview to make recommendations about such asks, but it would certainly affect your design recommendations, as I believe Mr. Grodin suggested at the last meeting. Then, when said projects go to the review process at the Planning Commission, if these warrants, et cetera, are granted or not granted, a project should go back to you, um, one, for further design suggestions if things have indeed changed, and two, for continuity in communication between the two bodies. The next item, um, very importantly, as some suggestions by you, the DRC, were missed, we feel, in the summary motion at the last meeting, a computer-generated list of DRC recommendations should be on screen for the public staff and DRC members to view to fully ensure that all points are being recorded. Netta had to try and put all the suggestions together from her notes and her memory, and the DRC members um, had to just listen and try and remember what was said. A staff person should be writing down all suggestions. Then our DRC members can discuss, cut, or add any items once they see them in writing. Members can then rightfully make motions for recommendations. And lastly, this is just a little thing. <laughs> At the last meeting, this is more for staff. At the last meeting on the 31st, it went till a little bit after 11 o'clock. So we're hoping we can have less canceled meetings, less items per agenda, um, we were also tired and not feeling very sharp by the time the meeting ended. Thank you. Thank you. Wendy Sauter. Thank you. Good evening, DRC members. I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time reviewing the various projects. Tonight I would like to address the front and Calorama project that you discussed on March 31st. You had a very thorough review of the project and made many recommendations to improve it. Unfortunately, some of your suggestions didn't make it into the minutes that you're being asked to approve tonight. I did listen to the entire meeting and the following items that you suggested are missing. Item number one, recess windows. Mr. Antelman stated several times that solar gain is a concern. You were concerned, Mr. Antelman, that the windows would look like aluminum foil, especially on the south elevation if they were not recessed or more addressed in another manner. Mr. Tomasio, also you stated that you wanted to ensure that the windows were recessed. Um, you believe that they would be on floors one, two, and three, but you stated on the fourth floor that the recess should be three inches, preferably 
four inches. Mr. Grodin also mentioned recessed windows. Um, item number two, Mr. Tomasito um, said that you wanted to see more pedestrian area along the east elevation uh, sidewalk, potentially pulling back the retaining wall and freeing up the corner. Item number three, the developer promised to make the changes the DRC suggested prior to going to the Planning Commission, working closely with staff to assure the DRC intent is captured in the, in the redesign. I hope that the three items will be incorporated into the minutes tonight so that all of your recommended changes will be made. There are so many good ideas proposed, the current motion process inevitably misses some of them. Any ideas you have to improve this would be welcomed by the public. Lastly, when I was reviewing the meeting, I, I found the city and the YouTube recordings. The volume was really low. It was very hard to hear as I was reviewing them. If this, this can be improved in any way by staff, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you again for your time. Your decisions today will establish what will be here for decades. I appreciate it. Thank you. Approval of minutes of March 31st. Uh, Chair Adelman, if you could speak directly into the mic, and that's just a reminder for all the DRC members, that is what is picked up in the recording. Okay. Is this any better? Yes. Okay. Sorry, you have to get really close to these mics. Okay. So we're, uh, we're dealing with approval of item number one, which is the minutes of March 31st, 2022. Are there any edits or comments on the minutes? Um, I, I, when I did take a look through them, I did notice that uh, I recalled my comments about the specifically the pedestrian area were um, at, at the corner of that intersection weren't captured. Um, and I appreciate the, the reminder about the recessed windows as well. So I'd like to modify those, um, uh, those minutes and recommendations Chair. Um, Could staff chime in for a minute? So I actually did go through and listen to your rec the recording of the motions um, and dictated myself personally the, the motion. I'm happy to go back and listen um, and provide it, but the comments that were made in the motion have been included. If there um, are items or comments that were made or captured, uh, during discussion that weren't in part of the motion. Uh, I think that's a good point for tonight to make sure it's captured in the motions themselves uh, so that we do um, uh, record them as part of the, the comments and the recommendations that move forward. If the DRC does have other things that, you know, um, you'd like us to make sure we look into or work with the applicant, applicant on, please let us know tonight. But I. I wouldn't be comfortable editing comments based on things that weren't included in the motion. Understood. I, I think uh, moving forward, it's really important for us to be clear in our motions. I, that motion in particular, I remember being a little a little fuzzy. Obviously, it was 11 o'clock at night, um, <laughs> and uh, I I was under the impression that that we would direct staff to essentially capture all of the comments that were were made kind of outside of the formal motion and provide those more as comments rather than you know a, a 
formal recommendation. And, and we can absolutely do that. Um, Commissioner Tomasello, we can go back and listen through, and I think uh, Mr. Gilley's comments was if there was more than one committee member who made a uh, comment on something to pro provide those comments on to them. Um, they weren't, you know, officially part of the motion, but we can kind of summarize those, include them to the applicant, and include them with what moves forward to the Planning Commission. Would the committee be comfortable with that? Yeah, I, I don't think that the entire meeting is going to be in the meeting minutes, clearly. Correct. I mean, They're action uh, minutes. And it should be, it's action minutes, and it's so it's, it is the motions. I think that the motions should, should be reviewed and made sure that those are included. Sure. As far as every comment, we can't, it can't be in there. Unfortunately, I wish some of mine were. Um, and it, it is looking, I, it is when the motions are being made to make sure there's consensus and agreement on, on, on what motion you'd like to pass on with those comments. If you would like to continue the minutes tonight, we will re-listen re and re-bring these minutes back. I, I would be comfortable if we could continue them. Continue sure. The yeah, do we need a motion to continue them with a, with a re-look, re-listen? Sure, I'll make a motion to continue the the meeting minutes to you knew the date, the next our next meeting of May nineteenth. Yeah, yeah. So with a with a re-listen and, and make sure that all the action items are within and noted for the the speaker and uh, committee member Thomas Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll second that. I appreciate that. Committee member Thomasello. Yes. Vice Chair Groudon. Yes. Chair Antelman. Yes. Motion passed. The next item on the agenda is item number two, which is project 14608. Has anyone had any ex parte communication regarding this project? I have not. I have not either. Okay, uh, will you please have staff presentation? Sure, thank you, Chair Adelman. Bef before we get into the presentations, uh, just because it's the second time we're doing this, just want to remind um, the DRC and the public how we will conduct the um, agenda items. So there will be a staff presentation of the overall and high-level background and context of the project. We'll then uh, allow the applicant to share about the design, design features, comments, and walk through um, the project with the applicant. DRC can ask staff and the applicant any questions, and then we will open it up for uh, public comment from the audience, and then close the public hearing for deliberation, discussion, and then a motion with recommendations. So with that, we'll move on to item number two. Thank you. The current item on the agenda is a request for design review, exceptions, and a coastal development permit for a mixed-use building. The site is located near the Thompson Boulevard San Juan Road intersection right between U-Haul and CarQuest Auto Parts over in the Midtown area. Existing context includes commercial, institutional, and residential uses along Thompson Boulevard. Uh, there's a middle school across the street to the north of the site. Nearby projects include the San Juan Village multifamily residential project, which is located at the intersection of Thompson and San Juan. Also, Thompson Village, which is located further east along Thompson Boulevard, 
and then also the Tom Cruise project located at the intersection of Thompson and Santa Cruz further in the east. So you can see uh, there are three nearby uh, projects, one of which, two of which are under, is under construction. Uh, Thompson Village is toward the end of their construction. Uh, San Juan Village is probably smack dab in the middle of their construction, and then uh, Tom Cruise is entitled but has not began construction thus far. Current graphics on this screen show uh, renderings of two of the projects, uh, and then Thompson Village. Uh, that is a fairly recent photo, uh, seeing how most of it is almost complete. Project history and background on the Pacific Wave project. So the applicant submitted a project a couple of years ago in the summer of 2020. Uh, the most recent submittal came in earlier this spring. The project scope uh, initially was for a three-story mixed-use building with, a, with just over 2,300 square feet of ground floor commercial with access off of Thompson and also 18 multifamily residential units above a podium uh, structure. The project scope has since uh, been modified to reflect the current request from a design standpoint and probably the biggest change other than design has been the change in ground floor commercial. It's now at 1,900 square feet. Three-story uh, three mixed-use building, ground floor commercial, and eight multifamily residential units. Uh, access comes from the public alley. Uh, there are two access points as well for pedestrians along Thompson Boulevard to get to the multifamily residential units as well as the ground floor uh, commercial. Uh, the maximum height of this building is 47 feet at the top of the elevator shaft and ground floor area of, of the entire building uh, is 5,800 square feet. Uh, this project does include a couple of exceptions. Uh, but these exceptions are mainly for parking placement and courtyard placement. And at this time, the applicant team will make their presentation on this project. And the applicant team is welcome to come sit at the table here at the front. My name is Frank Rose. Um, this is Lisette Elenis. We are uh, with uh, Can you speak closer to the mic? Sorry, we're just going to have to get very uh, comfortable with the yes. mics. Um, so uh, we are coastal architects. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're architects. And uh, yes, this is this is our uh, project. We have been back and forth with uh, the planning department on from the initial designs uh, to what we have now. Uh, and like like they said, we have some commercial uh, space in the in the uh, bottom floor, and we have eight um, apartment units on top. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Elberg, which is the uh, landscape uh, architect, and the owner Paul Howe. Um, and so, what we are trying to achieve, or or we have considered, is we went around the the area to see what the new developments look like. Um, the city is somewhat adamant to incorporate Art Deco into, into the building. So we are 
uh, trying to comply with that, but not to the point that we also want to be within the context of the other buildings that are in the area. Um, I think this is, this is an area that is being developed. Um, I see a lot of new uh, residential or mixed-use buildings, and so we're trying to be in tune with, with the whole um, uh, context of the, of the neighborhood. Um, I we selected also this, um, this project style for this, you know, how you have a different uh, types of buildings that you can put into this site. Uh, we selected a mixed-use building as well because we feel that it fit, fits better within the context that we have around. We, have, we are surrounded by two uh, commercial buildings in that block, so that's why we, um, instead of just doing the residential component, in this particular site, it was very important to have still the commercial look in the facade of the building while, um, while having the residential component on the back. Do you want to continue? Um, okay. Uh, so, as, uh, as far as uh, landscapes, do you want to address anything? Well, we, we have a, I'm Steve Elberg. I'm a li licensed landscape architect and uh, landscape architect for the project. Um, we have some limited planter areas and um, maximize those with trees and hedges and, and um, of course all of it's drought tolerant. But what's unique about this project is we have um, two levels of rooftop gardens. And so we've addressed that in terms of, um, um, yeah, just the uh, planters and all that type of thing. So greening up the, the upper upper floors and having the ability for uh, the inhabitants to, uh, you know, dining table, we have a fountain, a water element, and we'll have some overhead canopy structures up there, maximizing the livable space. Initially, we did have a larger courtyard, um, but uh, we feel for this site, because um, the there's parking on the back, that uh, the use of the courtyard in the second level would not be as, uh, as occupied and as desirable space because of just you know, looking, overlooking the parking. Uh, instead, we are proposing the roof terrace, which um, you know, has views to the ocean. So that's where most of the uh, residential amenities would be located at. And the, uh, we do have a limited courtyard space at that second level, but uh, the, main, um, the main amenities are in the terrace with the views. Um, the parking, um, the parking that, that's where we're doing one of the requests for modifications, just on the, on the location of the parking. We are exceeding half of the, where the parking is supposed to be for a little bit, but then that's what, I don't remember actually the, the dimension, but that's where one of the modifications is being requested at because we are exceeding that 50%. Uh, we, we initially, we wanted to comply with the 50% uh, parking and 50% building, but it wasn't gonna be feasible for the owner. Um, she, um, as you mentioned previously, she had a um, shop that had been for many years and so um, in order for her to try to uh, replace the shop with something that the city is more interested with, which is a mixed-use building, uh, we, ha we, are, uh, we have to uh, justify 
in an economic way that, they, that she could build a, the building and still have enough space for residential uh, tenants. Because uh, a little history on it too, that was a radiator shop that actually um, was, um, was burned, uh, ground down. So then that's why um, she considered, uh, Paula considered at some point rebuilding the same radiator. But um, seeing that you know, there's a lot of you know, developments and opportunities along Thompson, that's when um, she considered doing the, the mixed use apartment building, which we feel that that, that site or that street is gonna get um, pretty developed with this type of projects as they, as they move along. Any other issues you wanna address? Any issues? Um, well, the issues I, I think we, uh, we have been working with planning department for for a while, um, we have we feel that we have resolved uh, most of the issues. I'm sure that uh, in some of the emails that we uh, received uh, was uh, some of the comments were that the building was too dark. Uh, I think that is just the way the uh, plans printed. If you look at the uh, photos on page two or throughout the plans, um, it just printed very very dark. I think it's really difficult to to nail the, the colors um, because everybody will have to have their uh, monitors um, uh, calibrated. And so, uh, it, but it's just the way they, they print it. Um, of course, I, I'm sure that some some comments were about the, the height of the building or the bulk or whatever, which is, we were expecting that. So we are, we were, we are trying to uh, have different, different uh, matching, uh, to soften the, the matching on, on some of the sides, but we also are trying to uh, make this project feasible for for the owner. So we're uh, hopefully we we achieve that balance. That do the uh, community members have any questions of staff or the applicant? I'll go either, but I'll just ask. That's okay. Is it okay? Yeah. Uh, okay. So. I want to ask why, I'm going to go on style. Why are you art going to Art Deco? Because it's part of the Thompson um, guidelines to have to have an Art Deco style. That's not something that do the owner wanted to do. They were more into modern. Do you modern believe that the 1997 design guidelines appropriately address Art Deco on Thompson? And where is the other Art Deco that the guidelines mention? Other than the Firestone building, I can't name one, so I was wondering if you guys can as architects. Um, we had a back and forth with that because we didn't, that. you know, we didn't fit, feel that this building needed to be Art Deco. We th that's not what we were, you know, trying to do Aiming since the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. Initially, also the the owner talked to planning uh, to see if sh it was feasible to for her to even move into doing a building, and it never it was mentioned to her that we needed to comply with Art Deco guidelines. So the and they're, they're the design guidelines. They're not a zoning ordinance. They're design guidelines of 1997, which also say in them that there's that they cruise on, on Thompson too. And I don't know of another building other than the wheels on the Firestone building and, and maybe the turret on Leashless. I don't. And that's not even Art Deco. That's actually Spanish Art Deco. Right. I I can't understand why, why the design guidelines call out for it to be an automobile orientated design of a building. Yes, it is, it was once, it was once the highway, it had on the end, you have the fruit bowl and all that. 
or the vegetable oil. Um, I, I, I just question the, the, the entire style of it. And, and if it sounds like planning is, is helping you guys design and choose the appropriate contextual building and it doesn't seem right to me. Uh, now, going on from that, I have questions of, uh, there's a few things in your, in your presentation where you say smooth stucco and then you actually have sand stucco on your materials board, and can you clarify it which is, one it that is will smooth, be? Smooth stuff. Too smooth. Yes. Okay. Um. Committee Member Gordon, could we end with our summary slides before we go further into staff or into staff questions and applicant questions? What's that? Could could we wrap up our summary slides? We were going to do their presentation, ours, and then open up for oh, comments. I have no idea what you're saying, and I'm sorry, I, I, I can't hear you. Sorry. Do you mind if we wrap up our summary slide of our presentation before yeah, we I go? I thought you were complete. Uh, right, so we'll go to, we'll launch, they'll do their presentation, we'll summarize and wrap up and open up for comments. I apologize for interjecting. Sorry about that. Overall, uh, it's staff's position that the project is consistent with the 1997 design guidelines for Thompson Boulevard. Uh, we believe that the building design is successful in providing some of the elements uh, per the, the design guidelines that are borrowed from Art Deco style, which include the tower element and architectural reveals. Staff also believes that there are opportunities for the project to be improved, and we're looking for DRC's guidance uh, pertaining specifically to questions on, on the screen, and this is the conclusion of staff's presentation. Do we still have any questions of staff or the applicant? Yes, I had a couple questions as well. I was wondering uh, perhaps if uh, staff or the applicant could um, share a little bit about how the uh, public right-of-way was designed um, with the encroachments um, kind of extending out from the building frontage. Uh, when you say how the public way, like how we, we do, um, we are proposing a little bit of section of um, there's a possibility for a coffee shop in one of those commercial spaces to having a little bit of, um, you know, pavers with landscape around to, um, the, the sidewalk is pretty wide, so to create that, uh, the little um, outdoor patio in front of, uh, if, if it's possibly a, a coffee shop or a dining establishment to be able to do that. But it is, mm -hmm. is it public right-of-way? Yes, is. that is in the public right-of-way, yes. yes. The building is zero setback. Is there a streetscape plan or any, any uh, I just, I look up and down that street and it, it's different on every property frontage and then yeah. you look across the street and it's completely different as well. I'm just wondering if there's some type of comprehensive um, kind of plan for, for that. Maybe a question more of staff. It, it, it did follow the, the street guidelines, I remember, because also the, the incorporation of the trees as well the street trees um, uh, was designed per the per the guidelines. It, it is also one of the first properties to be developed in that uh, in that um, along that street. That's why it, it is going to look different for a while. But I think at some point it's going to catch up with when the other um, projects get developed. And will other projects, as they develop, be able to utilize public right of way in that way? So as projects uh, come in, when staff, we 
review projects. We look at the 1997 design guidelines for this portion, and in those guidelines, they do call for landscaping. So as projects come in, we will look at them on a case-by-case -case basis, but we do work with our public works department uh, as well when looking at how the frontages are going to be developed with landscaping uh, and how uh, each, each is going to be on a project-by-project -project basis, but we use the guidelines to for uh, the landscaping to uh, direct us for each project. So committee member Thomas Hull, they enter into a license agreement for use of the right-of-way. There's a 20-foot right-of-way set back um, from that curb. So um, this is something other projects have utilized and future ones can utilize too for using that right-of-way space. I'm not quite sure if uh, the extent of that right-of-way was because there was a desire or plan to add a lane to Thompson Boulevard in the future or something of that nature, um, but there is an existing 20-foot uh, right away setback in that area. Uh, we also consider what what we have seen happening lately on Main Street and around this area that everybody is doing more outdoor dining and so we we know that we don't have the guarantee that we're going to be granted that in the future but we wanted to uh, or our aim was to design with with that in mind in case that that was feasible. question the the trees that are in the surface parking area in the back um, can you from what I I'm not a landscape architect but um, you know they do sort of relatively smaller types of trees are there opportunities to introduce well, some well some those are trees? those are, are small growing trees and it's a Arbutus uh, ex marina there's no common name but it's a cross between the strawberry tree from the Mediterranean and our own madrone uh, tree and they they are kind of moderate growers. They're extremely drought tolerant, and of course, any concerns in the fire zones or interface, they're fire resistant. Um, but uh, they they grow about 20 by 20 feet um, in terms of the canopy. Um, really clean, neat tree. Um, the roots are not invasive. So I, I think it's an ideal choice for there. Um, yeah. And then the the trees in the in the right of way. Well, while we're on that, um, are those somewhat consistent with what's those exactly match what's all the way down Thompson? So it's a eucalyptus, bisphosphoria, which is uh, red flowering gum or something like that. But that's what I understand the designated street tree is there. As far as the yeah. location, the location of the trees, we, as we mentioned before, we are trying to take advantage of the views to the ocean, especially for the residents on the second and third floor. So we, that's why we're putting the trees more on, on the side where it, they don't block those views. Uh, I might add too that there was uh, a comment previous, I think, from planning about putting trees on the rooftop gardens. Well, we have the height limitations is one, but the biggest concern is is that Santa Ana winds and the prevailing ocean breeze, um, and they're in a container with a very heavy weight load, so um, especially when it's saturated, even though we're using lightweight soil and so forth, and uh, their lifespan in a pot, most trees is maybe five years, and then you have to replace them, so that negated the 
use of any trees on the decks on the rooftops. But you do have green on the rooftop. Uh, yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit, and yeah. Uh, quite a bit of green, but not trees. Okay. But not trees, yes. And, and we also have the plan of um, having plants that will grow on the wall, especially on this side. Right. So um, in time, it's gonna look even better. Do you foresee tables with umbrellas on the rooftop, uh, maybe well, lots of color? Well, possibly umbrellas, but uh, there's areas that we kind of compose with, you know, where you can sit out on chaise lounges. Um, we do have a vegetable, raised vegetable bed, so people could grow <coughs> their, uh, you know, plant, fiddle with that, grow, grow their own vegetables or what have you. Um, kind of couch seating areas, just uh, creating niches for conversation or dining. Um, I forgot, are we, uh, barbecue, we have a barbecue area. up yeah. there. We have the barbecue up there and uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, maximize that as uh, usable, livable space, those, those rooftops and, um, you know, green them up a little bit. Um, we have a water feature on one level, so yeah. on that front elevation, um, it's being used for signage, are you, I, I'm assuming that would be under a separate permit, but um, the availability of some um, guidelines in, uh, in there about signage and wanted to see if you guys had, had considered that in the design of sort of that. Yes, so right now it's also um, Incorporate. I mean, we do have two entrances in case there's um, two potential buildings, I mean, businesses taking the spaces, uh, or one. So um, if it is one, like they can take the, the, if you see the horizontal element there and put a sign in between those, um, the, the pilasters, I mean, the, not the, the columns. Or if it's the two individual tenants and they can take the center, I mean, the, the center of the. Yeah, the ones on the side. Yes. So that's where the proposed signage would be for the commercial spaces. I have one more. Oh, I have, a, I have a few questions, but one for sure. Uh, the Lego, the Lego bricks on the roof. Those are that's planting, correct? The ones that they look like Lego bricks on the roof. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Th those are those are plantings, correct? Those are all that's all planters, <laughs> and that circle in the center right. would be a, a, a plant, plant. <laughs> right? Which will grow up. Yeah, okay. Um, on the re on the rendering. One of your, on your front facade, you have, uh, which looks like a SketchUp model. I'd like to, it'd yeah. be nice to have a little bit uh, nicer uh, rendering so we can actually <coughs> see them. But um, all your paving and all your, your passing through is actually supposed to line up. You're not, you didn't purposefully have your, that walkway going in off to the left, sitting off to the left, right? There's no, there's not some, Postmodern type of trick that you guys were playing. Wh what is your question? Can you repeat? Well, you, you just have things not lined up, and some things that aren't on the facade. Like on the f on the facade of the building, you have an there on your front elevation. You have four bays, and they're all they all have lines on the elevations. <laughs> but if you look at some of the models, they they don't. Do, are you going to do the step double step back on the front facade? On all four of those bays, because yes. you have you have your you have your your vertical element, mm -hmm. and then you have the piece in between, and that is broken up with a depth, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. 
Yeah, so I those understand. are the, the and regular each one is going to have it. Yes. Right, okay, because so there's some where they don't. Yeah, so that's what we incorporated I to, at I the end. Okay. So I think maybe in some places we didn't catch it, but yeah. Catch it. Okay. That, so that yeah. was regular. So, we so everyone's going to have the the four layers. I think it is. It's going to have the, mm -hmm. the, the pilasters, yes. which is the, the Art Deco mo yeah, which movement. Is, yes. And then you're going to have stepping back, and then you're going to step back again, and then you step back into the window plane, and then the window plane steps back. And most of the front, I think, shows it, right? Okay. You're, it, where you saw that it wasn't was in the in the sides. Yeah, the I can't. I honestly, I can't remember now. I I pointed it out somewhere. Oh, uh, yeah, it's on the, it's on the front. Then your railing just looks like it's a vertical railing. If you see also the um, the one that we're proposing there at the in the color palette. Um, yeah. Uh, we looked into Art Deco type of railing. We just thought that it made the building look busier to add that to it. So we chose, um, if you see it a little bit bigger, maybe, well, we can't zoom in there, but um, it, it, it has a little bit of an Art Deco feel to it, like if you, that image, I, I, if we I make I it a little I know bit that bigger. The, I know that your your picture does. Okay. If you look up Art Deco yes, online, so you that's probably a, found that that's one. what's supposed to be, but yeah, it didn't get in the but rendering. So yet. it's not in the, it's not on the building rendering, though. It's a yes. dingbat yes. type yeah. of. <coughs> that's the type that we're proposing. And, and yeah. this kind of goes to the question that you had before. Um, yes, we are trying to incorporate Art Deco, but not to the point where it becomes whimsical or a little too too loaded. Like I, like I mentioned before, we are trying to also be in tune with the developments nearby. So we, yes, we do have some Art Deco, but we don't want to load the building with it. We, j we want to be somewhere balanced between the what's going on in the context of the neighborhood and, and the what the city is or would like to see. I appreciate what you're saying. Okay, well, one of the benefits of going last is uh, my colleagues get to uh, address most of the issues that I have concern with. Uh, one question I have is you have uh, some solar shading on the south and the west side. Uh, what's the dimension? How far do they protrude out from uh, the wall surface? How much solar streaming are we actually getting from the awnings above the windows? Oh, that's right. Uh, this awnings you're saying, this one's the south side? Yeah, yes, on the south side. Okay, so they're like two feet awnings, if I remember correctly. Two feet. They're between 24 and 30 inches. Uh, mm -hmm. They now. are a little bit diagonal, too. Okay, uh, did you do a solar study on this to see how much coverage you would get from? We only did it in the model, and we thought that it was going to show here, the, but I don't even remember if at the end this image is projected that specifically, you know, on the, the shading part. Okay. Could you actually increase that uh, to maybe three feet or, I mean, are you pretty well set? In initially we didn't have any awnings and then we did add them because that's the exposure that it has. It has the, the east-west exposure on that side. So that's why we did incorporate the awnings and we set back the, where the windows are at as well to provide uh, more shading to those openings. So you have a minimum three inch setback on the windows? Recess on the windows. Yeah, the windows are set back. They're they're not recessed to the front. They're recessed to the back of the um, of the interior space. And we, we they are also uh, if you see those uh, blue elements, they're also set back uh, like 12 to 18 inches, and they also have the diagonal um, shape and the awning above it, because that's where they they will get um, hit the hardest from the front. 
And you can see that you can see that in the floor plan how the shapes of the windows are, or we, we did that in response to to trying to provide a little more views, uh, but also to protect from the sun. Okay. If there's no further questions, uh, we can open. Um, one other question that I have: uh, What is your guys's next step in terms of your process, and um, what would be most helpful? from uh, from the board for you guys? Well, the, the reason that we are trying to work with the city, um, a little bit of compromise as, as far as the Art Deco, is because um, with COVID and a number of other things, the owner has been invested in this thing for like two years. So we are looking for the path of least resistance to, the resistance to uh, building safety. Um, uh, the owner is happy with the design. We are also happy with the design. We have put a, a, a lot of work in it. Um, and so we are looking for your comments to, to see what, we, what else we need to do um, and have this thing move to building safety as soon as possible. fourth generation Venturan, love my city. And so when uh, this garage that I bought from my parents, who built it in the early 70s, burnt down, we, I, my first visit was here, after just going through the Thomas Fire in my neighborhood, coming here saying, um, this is my problem, I can either put the shop back up or build, and I just had chicken scratch that I had, had, had made and he goes, we definitely want that. He goes, we're moving away from automotive. So I said, great. I can't afford to have this take forever, though, because, you know, it's my rental. And he goes, copy this building or this building. We'll have you in and out in nine months. Well, that didn't really work out. Um, it's been a couple years and a pandemic and, and I know uh, staffing and so anyways, my heart has always been in this project to just what is best for the city. Now we were throwing a complete uh, curveball when they said Art Deco because I, I said, wait, what? Neon lights? I mean, wh what are you talking about Art Deco? And why didn't you tell me that in meeting one and not later? And, and so, okay, we got over that, way past that. And here we are today. Um, and my heart is always, what is best for the city? How can I build into Ventura's future? Because I'm fourth generation, but I have a and other, you know, generations coming up. So <laughs> we want to, to build into the future. And so we have always been with, with them. Um, and I'm so appreciative of this team right here. Uh, do whatever you think is, is best and, and to let's just get it done. And so that's where I'm at. I, I don't really have six years to wait or 20, like the harbor. Um, I, I kind of want to see it come to pass quickly and I don't know how else to um, these guys have been great we're following the rules and they give us a curveball and we try to like uh. um, I just my son works at downtown Ventura and so this is art deco to me like oh my gosh there's no you know the, the movie theater, movie theater yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to please I can't do that and so anyways um, yeah I just want to Ventura's changing, and I'm so appreciative of the management of the change. Uh, it's really changing on Thompson, 
and so it's exciting, and I, I know maybe some of the residents, it's, it's a bittersweet. We are supposedly with a housing shortage, but it looks like we're going to really meet that bar. It's <laughs> quite a bit going on down there, so I'm excited for the area. So whatever we can do to, um, to get this going or to go to the next phase, that's what. Well, as you're aware, Ventura is noted for its eclectic architecture. And yes. certainly this would qualify. So uh, if there's no further questions, then we can open this up to the public for comment. Does anybody want to speak on this project? If none, then, uh, then I'll open it up for discussion. Are we closing the public hearing at this time oh, for deliberation? We do want, okay, so the public meeting is still open, and I will not close it until all the speakers are done. You want to go to the podium? Yeah, where the mic is? Yeah, thank you. Leslie Purcell. So I've been away from Ventura for a few months, and I came back and was rather surprised at all the building that's been going on. Uh, some of it seems rather massive, and um, anyway, this project seems like you've tried pretty hard to make it uh, more amenable. One, one of my questions is, is some of it going to be affordable? Because apparently this is not happening with a lot of the, the bigger units that are being built. I can answer that. Oh, when you're done. Okay. And um, I appreciate the landscaping and the roof gardens, and I'm a California Native Plant Society person, and I, you know, appreciate any native plants as opposed to just drought tolerant. I think it's better for our environment and the birds and bees and so on. So I'd like to put that out there. Also, um, I wonder about solar. I didn't see any solar uh, roof. I mean, I know your roofs are sort of cut up and you're using them for gardens as well, but I thought there was a state mandate for solar and maybe not for multi-unit, but certainly the parking area could have solar panels over it and then it creates shade for people to park under. And I've I am seeing that being done more and more, so I would like to just put that out there too. So um, I guess that's the main thing. And the other question was about water. People are always worried about where's the water coming from, you know, with more, more and more places being built. Um, and also where, where does it infiltrate? It looks like maybe you've got enough landscaping so, so it infiltrates fairly naturally. But um, these are just some of the concerns that many of us in the public have. Thank you. Thank you. And if there's no further um, comment from the public, I'm going to close the public. And can I just ask the applicant team now that the public hearing's closed, if, we if you could please take your seats back in the audience. I was going to uh, let the applicant address the issue that was brought up. Sure, sure. During public comment. So you, you have an opportunity to address the issues? Uh, well, yes, and my, my desire was to make it uh, affordable. And they are one-bedroom apartments. Um, I've met some of our wonderful police officers because behind us is the maintenance yard. And they a lot of them live 
in Valencia or other places because I can't afford to live here. So my heart is to, to make that affordable and not uh, price people out. So that's the desire. So, And the solar is on the roof, correct? Yes. So we do have a space um, on, on top for the solar. Uh, it is a good idea also to incorporate, you know, um, solar on over the garage spaces I think it would be yeah it would be a good place for it we will we haven't done a calculation of how yeah, many um, yes in the par on top of the parking we haven't done a calculation to see how many uh, panels we need um, so once that happens then we can look at that opportunity to to provide um, solar over the parking also to provide shading for shades for for the uh, uh, tenants um, and then we did a water study uh, for our usage as well. Uh, I don't know if that's viewable to the public, but it was a, a study that was done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then we need to close in the public hearing and uh, the applicants can go back to their seats. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you. The Thank next you. step will be to roll out the committee members to deliberate on this project. guys want me to comment? Yeah. Um, I actually think that the, as the plan is pretty well done, I think the, the massing and the intent of having the mixed use, the commercial on the bottom, the, the residential above is really appropriate. Um, I think they're, they're I'm, I'm okay with the landscaping. I don't think we necessarily need the trees on the, on, on the roof. I think they have addressed the site really well. Um, I, and I know we're not addressing the exceptions, but I think that the 50% parking is, is the, it's the idea to put the parking behind a building that's put the building on the street, which I think they, they did really well. Um, the massing is good. It's actually, I, my, own, my biggest problem with this isn't the design or, or the applicant in any way. It's the, it's the curveball that they were thrown to say that, that somehow this should be Art Deco. I just don't think it should be Art Deco. It's not going to stop me from saying that it should be approved because uh, I think it should move forward. Uh, I do think that if you're going to go with the Art Deco, like take take the the rails and make make them a little bit more Art Deco. You don't have to go over the top. You know, you don't have to have the Chrysler building. You know, think uh, gargoyles sticking off the building or anything like that. But I do think taking it and approaching it a little bit more, making sure you really are going Art Deco, because it is Art Deco. And so for me, as much as I don't like the idea of the Art Deco, and I think that it makes it feel uh, quiche, and it just isn't, uh, if I, I feel like it was forced on the architects. But anyways. I'm sorry, um, committee member Rodney. Hold on, I'm not, we don't, do we need you to talk? Do you need to step in, or do I, can I finish? Absolutely. I think I can Please finish. Do. Okay, thanks. Um, unless you want. Okay, thank you. Um, so, I think that I I'm pretty in favor of the project as a whole. The plan looks really good, and the massing and everything look looks pretty good. And so that that's my comments. The couple of the comments I would really like to address too is the lighting. The lighting. I don't think we should approve ever approve lighting that's up lighting anymore. Um, and I know the probably guidelines, even zoning doesn't approach that, but us as architects, we need to not have the lighting pollution. 
so we need to make sure that there's a there's a top to their lights because um, they actually have them and then they have lights that are that are pointing up and that's that's and make sure that it should be smooth stucco versus the, the make sure that they correct the, the sand stucco because it because it should be a, a, a smooth stucco over a sand the other materials i'm okay with okay sorry Nada. no I, I apologize committee member Gordon, for interrupting um, if i could just make a comment too and address some of the comments in in regards to the the curveball or the direction on the art deco uh, i appreciate that they are it is coming from the 1997 design guidelines, but those are the governing design guidelines for this area and referenced uh, the Midtown Corridor Development Code did not change or alter those design guidelines and so they held in place when the Midtown Development Corridor Code went into effect in 2007. And so, um, you know, staff has a different opinion. I don't think it was a curveball. Curveball. It was, hey, these are what the design guidelines indicate the development in here should be. I don't want that to come across that if the DRC believes that those design guidelines are not appropriate for that area any longer or don't, don't fit contextually with what has evolved in that area over time to be able to comment on that. But just wanted to be very clear um, that the direction is coming from design guidelines and the code. Staff communication then, that issue about guidelines. Do we have questions about, in general, about guidelines? Absolutely, and that's why they're attached to the uh, packet so you can see what those guidelines do say. And when we are reviewing all the projects, we do look at those guidelines. That's a comment we have heard a lot from the public that they want to ensure our design guidelines that have been incorporated through the city are applied and used when we are reviewing projects and also that is something that state law does require us to do when doing housing project reviews that we are using guidelines to shape our reviews and our comments so just to provide some context and uh, absolutely available for more questions okay, member thomason comments um, i think i generally agree with all the the comments that uh, board member Gordon mentioned. Uh, I think this is uh, an appropriate development for this site. Um, eight units on a commercial corridor, um, infill lot. I think it's uh, appropriately massed, and, and I appreciate all of the, the variety in the massing and kind of undulation. Um, in terms of style, I, there was a couple questions I think staff had of is this uh, sufficient Art Deco style? I, I actually think it could probably be pulled back a little bit um, and you know I think for instance the columns seem a little heavy to me um, on on the front facade they could be simplified a little bit and, and try to just capture some of those I actually appreciate kind of the, the whimsy you know nostalgic throwback um, art deco elements that we see here and there um, I don't think it has to be so in your face um, as kind of, uh, as board member Groden said, kind of taking it to the max. So um, if there were an opportunity for the architects to consider that, I, I'd be in favor of that. I wouldn't mind seeing it either pulled back or pushed forward, but the, 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 the point of that really, uh, it's not even, not whether throwback is appropriate. I mean, to me, the it's, it's throwback to what? To 1920s? Not in, not in Ventura. 
I mean, it, 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 I don't know, I guess I, I, I'm confused by the pushing of it. Even I, I've read, I read through the, the guidelines, most of the buildings that they actually show in the guidelines that are, that are Art Deco aren't Ventura buildings. The one they, I think they do have the Firestone building in there, but there it's, it, it, there's a lot of other styles that are appropriate, that they say are appropriate in that area, and that, that it's more about the car and the movement of the street, and that makes sense, because Thompson was the highway, and it is a, it is a moving street, and so there's a lot of other ways to deal with that, even though the guidelines do mention Art Deco, they also mention geometric figures, they mention m metallic materials, so, Guidelines are generally based on on what is what is in the area, and then you take a guideline and you make sure that you have you know you have all these little houses and you don't have a high rise. So the, that, that's more of a guideline. So I I think that I would be okay with the the moving away. I mean, settling it down a little bit. Um, I don't necessarily like the whimsical of of architecture, um, and not that it's wrong. Googie style is rocks, but. Um, how how would they move it back or even move it forward, as I was saying, and not slow them down, right, and allow them to get to building and safety? Don't think you need to slow them down, right? Just kind of help them exactly. Um, I don't see this as an Art Deco building per se. I see it as a contemporary building with an Art Deco flavor or influence to it. There's a few minor things that maybe I would have done differently, but I mean, how many you know how many chefs do you want to have in the kitchen? on this. So uh, I'm very comfortable with what I see. So uh, if there's any more comment, I'd like to do it. If not, how about I'm open? Can I make I'm sorry to interject. If there is a desire to scale back or maybe soften the Art Deco elements, and I heard that from um, committee members Grodin and, and Tomasello maybe, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, would it be helpful if we just went elevation by elevation and say, hey, maybe here instead of having the you know the ribbed columns five in that tower element down to three or any suggestions like that of maybe what scaling back or um, pulling back the Art Deco style would look like? Kay. I think that could be in the motion. I think at this point, I think we'd like to help them move forward. My issue with doing any type of real adjusting to their design is that when you take out when you take out a piece of that column which the column is sort of fluted right and that's what makes it art deco and what makes it art deco is the narrow columns and being tall so if we say how do you make that less less art deco do they take out a column do they take out one of the recesses i and without without drawing that on on paper or modeling it i don't see how we can make it say it's going to be better or worse. And that would be my problem with trying to come in and design the building for them versus, I mean, I, I like to, to trust the architects and, and, and I, I'm, I'm almost ready just to motion to move it forward. Then please do so. Okay. So uh, I'll make a motion to, wait, uh, do we have, what are the, were the recommendations on the, somewhere on there? We Hold can put the slide back up. Going to the planning commission, correct? Yeah. Yes, and we've put it back up on the screen oh, for you. you. Okay, I'm not going to address those. 
I'm going to um, make a motion to move the project forward as designed and, and as presented today with um, hopefully they'll refine their design just a little bit farther along to move it forward as, as presented. Maybe, maybe you could try to tighten that up a little bit. Drop the hopefully. Board Member Grodin, did you want to, um, is the question on your motion also just uh, address the smooth, your comments about smooth stucco and dark sky compliant lighting? Yeah, actually I should put that in that there, there are a few, the elements in which we talked about being clarifying that it is the smooth stucco, not the painted sand. And yeah, that, that should be part of it. And I would be willing to put something in or maybe even withdraw my motion and let you make it for the, for the change that you were hoping to see. I don't know if that, if, if that, if you want that in the motion. Um, Cause I would amend. With your motion, I think I, okay. I would probably defer to your design. Okay, so I'll change my motion to move it, um, to approve it recommend to be approved to Planning Commission as is presented tonight without necessarily any more Art Deco and to make sure that the, the, the plaster is smooth plaster and they do use the rest of the materials as presented. Do we have a second? Um, did you also mention the dark sky compliant lighting? I, I think that's a great comment. Dark sky compliant lighting. Dark sky what? Dark sky compliant lighting. Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, the it it the project should. I'm gonna just can I just add this on? The project should have dark sky and the 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 lighting should be capped on. I'm assuming that you probably already do that, but since it's in there, it's I'm adding on to my motion way way more. But yes, adding dark sky onto my motion. I'll second that. Thank you. Thank you. Committee member Tomasello. Yes. Vice Chair Groudon. Yes. Chair Antelman. Yes. Okay, and we're going to move forward with uh, item number three, which is project 15367. Has anybody had any ex parte communications on this item? No. I have not. No. So can we please have staff presentation then? So I'm just gonna wait till it clears out a little bit. I apologize. And you can com come sit up front too as well. Yes. Do you have anyone else with your architecture team with you? Oh, great. You're back on this one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Oh, we're ready? Oh. All right. Good evening, everyone. Um, the next item on the agenda is the design review for the REMAX project. Next slide. 
The project site is located in the Victoria Corridor Plan and Development Code um, on the west side of Victoria Avenue, just south of the 126 freeway and north of Telephone, across the street from the Government Center. To access the property, there is a shared driveway through the parking lots um, with the other office buildings. Um, that comes from County Square Drive located west, seen in the image with the yellow arrows. Next slide. Uh, this is an image of from Google Street View um, taken in 2021. This is the subject property, um, just uh, for context. Next slide. The existing surrounding area consists of other office buildings um, constructed in the 1980s, and further down on Victoria are some other major shopping centers, um, including the Walmart and Ralph's. These are the images of the immediate surrounding properties, um, including some office buildings and the government center. Next slide. The proposed project consists of a remodel and addition to an existing two-story commercial building and, the, and other site improvements. The existing building is 8,850 square feet and the project proposes uh, 5,150 square feet. Um, overall, the project maintains the general location of the existing structure, which is in the center of the parcel and the parking or the parking and vehicular access um, circulates around the building. There will be surface parking spaces um, with additional landscaping throughout the parking and surrounding the site. Um, in addition to the, the proposal, there is a variance associated with the project to deviate from the parkway overlay walkway requirements identified in the Victoria Corridor Plan. Next slide. And up next is the applicant to describe the project. You get it quicker. You just let me know when you get to say advance. Next. <laughs> okay. Um, let me in introduce myself. I, I'm Chip Kelly. I'm the lead architect. Um, this is Mike Seip, um, our client and owner of Remax Gold Coast. This fine machine is for me. I'm sorry. I'm gonna ask that you speak into the mics or else it doesn't pick up in the recording. Okay. I apologize. All right. Thank you. So did everybody hear that so far? No. Okay. Uh, my name is Kip Kelly. I'm the president of Nest Architecture. I'm the lead architect on the project. Uh, to my left is Mike Sipes, who is the owner of the Gold Coast Remax offices, the, these are going to be his uh, corporate offices. Uh, Karan Nasheed works for me, he's to my right. Steve Elberg is the landscape architect on the project. And um, we're here to present our project here at 725 South Victoria. Uh, <clears throat> one thing uh, you'll notice is the subject property here is uh, in the midst of a uh, what was a, a original business park that, that was put into place before the uh, um, planning guidelines were set. So, um, and uh, we, the project was put in the T4.8 zone uh, because that, uh, I think at the time probably seemed appropriate because it's part of Victoria. 
but as, as I'm sure you know, the, the site sits about 14 feet below the street. So uh, um, that's the reason we needed variances because uh, we couldn't easily um, address the street on the level of the street with the eight foot sidewalk extension that's required. Um, so is everybody familiar with uh, the building we're talking about? Okay, yeah. So um, uh, our, our goal with the project was to reflect the, um, the vibrant spirit and uniqueness of Ventura and the vision and forward thinking of our client, Mike. Um, this will be his corporate headquarters uh, probably um, a long time, yeah. Um, and uh, the, the, uh, the building, the existing building on the site, which is 8,500 square feet, has been vacant for about 10 years. Um, there was a restaurant before, as I'm sure you guys know. Um, and it, it was a restaurant that was designed uh, really um, for the occupants to uh, in, enjoy the inside. There wasn't a lot of openness to the outside. It was very dark inside. It had large volumes. It was very well built, but um, it, it really wasn't designed for offices. The other buildings around it obviously were. Um, the, the, the first decision that we made was, uh, along with Mike, we decided that, hey, it's really not worth demoing this building and sending all that material to the landfill. 40% um, of the material in our landfills is from demolishing buildings. We didn't want to do that. Plus, it's 8,500 square feet of well-built space that, uh, you know, that's, that's going to cost you at least 850000 to replace. So we decided right from the get-go, we're going to keep that building. But how do we convert it into offices? That was the big challenge. Um, so if we can, yeah, here's uh, the, the proposed site plan with Victoria on the right. Uh, you can see that uh, on the right there is the rose-colored um, addition. Uh, we've relocated the entrance to the building to face Victoria. Um, that's, that's one of the guidelines that we thought was important to, to follow on this. Um, we wanted to address the street. We wanted people driving by to see the building. Um, and then uh, uh, on the left, the red section, that, that is another addition to the footprint. What that accomplished for us was the ability to control the aesthetics of the design um, by putting new elements on both sides. So you can go to the next one. Uh, okay, so, so this uh, is just shows our landscape plan. Um, Steve's uh, really good at what, what they call it, dry California landscape. We focus on shapes and textures. Uh, it's all drought-tolerant vegetation, uh, and it's important because what we're, we're doing with this design is we're uh, opening the interiors to the outside so that the gardens around the perimeter um, become a focus for the offices that also wrap around the outside of the building. Next. Uh, here's some details showing the, the one-story addition on the right. You can see the, the footprint extension on the left. 
Um, the offices wrap around the perimeter so um, the realtors all get uh, good natural light. Uh, you can see by the shapes that we've, em we've employed in the additions, uh, our, our whole goal here is to bring in the north light and try to uh, erase some of that harsh west light that would be coming in. You can see over on the left, it's almost a shield that will block that west light coming in on that addition. Um, so it was really the, the, the lighting, the daylighting, and the uh, views into the garden that drove the design. Uh, um, along with the, the shape of the existing building, uh, one of the, we've done a lot of remodel work through the years, and one of the things we learned early on is, is if you're going to remodel a structure, you, you can't really fight it. You can't put a, a face on it and expect it's going to work. Uh, it's really important to us that um, when we complete a remodel, um, the whole building looks like it was a new ground-up building, and that's, that's what we really worked hard to do here. You can see the, the shape of the existing building in the background uh, on the top, and then the, the new front entrance on the, on the bottom. Um, we're trying to uh, attract attention to the building. We want people that are driving by or, or walking by to notice the building, to be curious about the building. Um, we we want to uh, create a statement for Mike's brand. So th this you can see uh, up on the top is the west elevation where we have the, um, the more wall space to block the sun. Um, and then on the bottom, you see the, that's the elevation to the north. Um, what, what we've done is we've, we've actually put a dormer on the existing building and extended that dormer to the left and the right to expand it outside the footprint of the building so that not only are we getting the light coming in from up above, but we're getting those vertical slot windows to bring light into the, um, the, the second and first floor offices on the side. We've repeated that theme in the front entry where um, you can see the green wall on the left. That's the, there's a conference room behind there. Um, <coughs> so the, the north was really the, uh, the, the, probably the most important elevation on this project, though it's the one that probably will be least seen. You can go to the next. Um, so th this diagram, these are two cross sections through the building. The bottom cross section is a, a section through the existing structure. Um, and you can see how, how we've employed the, the dormers to bring the light uh, down into uh, the middle of the building. Um, we find that uh, in natural light, people work better, uh, spaces, um, just feel more comfortable. Um, uh, let me, can we go back to that last one real quick? Um, so if, if you just look at the section through the existing building below, you can see where we came up with the cross section for that front entry feature. I, I, my son built one for me, so I, I brought that along. Uh, it, it's basically a, uh, um, a rainwater harvesting system the back-to-back butterfly roofs like that. Um, <coughs> but it also, what it does is creates wonderful shadows. That did just come uh, out of your pocket, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can go to the next one. 
so these are some of the materials that uh, uh, we're going to incorporate into the structure. Um, uh, they, they do draw from some of the uh, vernacular buildings in the area. Um, uh, the, uh, we've got the uh, <coughs> corrugated uh, siding, uh, the standing seam metal roof. Uh, we've got some vertical wood pieces um, on the north side. And then uh, smooth plaster, herringbone um, mesh on the front of the building. And, uh, and then where we can, we're incorporating um, greenery on the facade. Uh, what is that? That's a trumpet board, isn't it? Yes, we elected to, instead of the, these green walls with the succulents and like you see, those, those are so hard to maintain and, and keep looking good. So we're going to use a grid, gridded trellis system, and, and uh, I think the, that the uh, red trumpet vines are they drought tolerant, uh, pest free, they grow sun or shade, and yeah. So you can go to the next. So we'll create those green walls there. Yeah. So this is a before and after. You can see uh, the difference. Um, uh, you'll see on top of the roof we do have uh, solar panels. Uh, we're going to put in uh, charging stations, uh, encourage the employees to all drive electric cars. Uh, right, Mike? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, um, we, ha we have the ability to harvest the rainwater. Uh, we're, we still haven't developed our, our stormwater management plan, but we're, we're going to incorporate as much of that uh, rainwater harvesting as possible. You can go to the next. Uh, and then you can see right now, um, on the before, that's that's what you see from Victoria. Uh, you can see the the big difference here on the right. We, um, because we're doing that lobby extension on the front, we are moving the, the building closer to the the uh, street, um, and uh, I, I think that'll make a big big difference in that area. There you can see that dormer that we put over the existing building, how we've, we've extended that to the sides. And, and again, that's a theme that we've employed throughout the building. Next. Yeah, there's another uh, close-up of that. You really sort of see inside. Uh, if you've been in that building, that, um, or you remember being in that building, uh, th there's wood ceilings in there that are actually pretty nice. And it'd be a real shame to have throwing those in the landfill. So we're able to maintain all of that and then we're building upon that. This yeah, a view uh, from the south. Yeah. This is after a rain. So that, yeah. I, might add, I might add in here too, it, graphically uh, it's a little bit inaccurate because we're not planting palms, we're planting more canopy trees, and there is no lawn on the property, on the project. Yeah. That's representational of the well, beautiful well, well California it, dry it lands. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you can go back to that one just real quick, we, there, we do, there, there is an outdoor or patio that's it's currently a flat roof. We're, we're going to incorporate some outdoor space for the people that are working there. Um, What's really important to us as architects, especially when we're doing design, uh, design for office buildings, is to create an environment that 
that makes people uh, curious about the building. We want people that um, to to want to go to work, and we and we want we want to encourage people to not leave, you know, voluntarily. Create spaces that are exciting and inspiring, so that they really uh, they they love to come to work, and and, and um, that's what we're trying to do here tonight. Well, and add in there, Mike, too, the balcony. Uh, there where you can you can sit out you can have lunch uh, maybe have a barbecue on on the uh, you know yeah i think that's important stuff appropriate uh, mike saps and so yeah it was very important to me you know in the last two years um, our industry was shut down at one point uh, in march 2020 for about two months mm -hmm. six seven weeks actually and uh, you know, many of our agents uh, can work, you know, th they can work independently and they can work from home and, you know, technology is such that, uh, you know, but I, I feel I've been doing this for almost 30 years and nothing replaces the people-to-people um, -people component of what we do. We help people move into homes. And so we want them to feel like when they do come clients of our, of our my clients, my agents, to come into the office and feel like it's, you know, part of their home. It's unique, it's uh, interesting, and they want to come, as well as our agents want to come in. They uh, create that synergy and camaraderie, and it actually ultimately helps them in their business uh, vicariously, being in the space. You don't always realize it, but you run into somebody and they have an idea or they have a client and they put A and B together. So uh, real important for me to create a, the outdoor, the deck is actually probably one of my largest priorities as well as the open space in the middle and what Kip has designed with the light coming down and filtering to the bottom floor, which is always the hard part on a two-story to not create a cave. Um, and so he's done that with the uh, opening the second floor to the uh, bottom floor and one element in the middle and bringing that northern light in. So. Any further comments? So I'm going to summarize um, staff's um, perspective here. Um, so the project does maintain the pattern and the development of the surrounding areas. Um, although it is a modern design, it's still consistent with the uh, Victoria Code design guidelines, which were attached to your staff report. Um, staff doesn't have any additional comments or recommendations. However, that doesn't preclude you from providing any additional comments. Um, so with that, next slide, we are recommending that the design review committee just approve the design review. Okay, does uh, members have any questions? Uh, let me throw something at you first. Uh, this is going, uh, the final review is going to be through the planning uh, director? It'll be a director's hearing. And why was that decision made? Why, is that, why is this project not going to the planning director? Uh, well, through the streamlining ordinance, we were able to use, so the, the, the variance associated with the project is the parkway overlay, um, and the sidewalk width is required to be, I think, 18 feet, uh, which it's currently 10. So through the Victoria Code and the new streamlining ordinance, um, we were able to process that as through a director's hearing. Okay. Either of you have any questions of staff or applicant? Um, on the landscaping, if you could, um, 
y'all probably want to check out the beautiful renderings they really are um, but can you talk about what what is proposed is it a lot of I know that it's um, you know drought tolerant but is it a lot of like rock mulch and, and no no absolutely not uh, that's not my <laughs> style <laughs> um, I always tell clients drought tolerant and and environmentally responsible planting doesn't mean cacti and succulents and it doesn't mean the gravel or decomposed granite. Um, there are a lot of native plants, plants from Australia and, and whatnot that are very green, they're floriferous and um, very war low water consumers. And the other thing that I've been doing for the last 15 years is a subsurface drip irrigation system. And uh, it's finally now hitting uh, agriculture in the southwest, but um, bottom line is it's the most efficient irrigation system on the planet right now, as of right now. So that that's incorporated into all the projects. We do have a couple of coast live oaks that are proposed here. We do have some existing trees that, um, that they're unfortunately eucalyptus a few and some carrot woods but after they're well established they're extremely drought tolerant but this will be green in appearance the canopy trees um, they do have some of them do flower um, and some of the shrubs do flower but uh, this layering of shrubs and a high density of shrubs and taller ground covers um, essentially uh, it'll all be green space eventually around there no uh, gravel or anything like that and everything will be a, a nice rich green um, and nothing spiky so I, I would associate more with maybe an oak woodland palette um, even though some of the plants or a lot of the plants are not native but it, it's on that order where you know our coastal oak woodland green and and I am using some ornamental grasses, as, as always. And when we get to that stage, as far as rain capture and any biofiltration, um, those types of plants will be incorporated in those areas that come about in that design. So. I want to piggyback on that just a little bit. Where, where, do you have a plant schedule in here? Um, Planting schedule? Yeah, it's on the bottom of that. It's kind of cut off. Oh, OK. So it's I, I have it on my computer, but uh, is it? Okay, no, it's not it. Um, okay, I think so. The, the renderings aren't, and even the plan, site plan, isn't necessarily representative of what you are planting because it even looks like the site plan has some problems on there. Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, that, and, that gr and the green that was this uh, green is not quite. It was developed before Steve <coughs> got involved. So you need so to get this guy like more in your in your models. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as you can see up there, the larger yeah, circles, yeah. those are canopy trees. Okay. And um, um, yeah, um, and I know that there's some municipalities in the Southland here that uh, on multifamily and commercial projects, <coughs> you can't plant palms anymore. And I've had clients ask me, they say, well, why not palms? You see them in the desert. And I said, well, where do you see the palms in the desert? At the oasis where there's water. And there's only one that's that's <laughs> a big one that's natural. Uh, Washington. Right. That, well, yeah. uh, yes. Uh, 
but th so th so those round th all the round big trees are canopy trees, and They're then all the canopy trees. and then your your dots in, in next to the building it's somewhere in between the all green and the really tight to the building, yes. and it's not the cactuses or it's succulents. No, it's layers of, okay. of uh, gotcha. layers of shrubbery, and uh, today in today's world we have all these varieties that you can you know that grow only a foot tall, and the original mother of that plant, you know, would grow eight to 10 feet tall, but we've got all these wonderful varieties, so. And yeah. did I did I understand correctly, is there a, uh, some type of stormwater catchment or rain catchment um, that's incorporated so into it, uh, this irrigation? Um, we are going to capture as much as we can to use for irrigation. We just haven't gone into the technical uh, engineering of those systems. Roots are designed for capture. Your butterflies are designed to actually harvest, harvest as you were saying, yeah. to capture water and then be able to hopefully use it for irrigation. And then hopefully biofilter with your plants. You have several shed roofs with no gutters, no downspouts, no collectors. Is that your intention in your design or is it going to be an afterthought? What, what part? See, you have you have some shed roofs. Uh, where you have the gables. Oh yeah, those will all have gutters. Okay, can you? That's all. I mean, and uh, um, we typically uh, work the gutters into the design of the roof so that they don't look like they're just hanging off the edge. That's why you don't see them. We we like to integrate them into the roof as opposed to having them look like afterthoughts. So they're on, on where they're actually sloping down their internal gutters. Yeah, we got to capture that. Yeah. Any further questions? No. Okay, if uh, not, we're going to uh, open the public hearing. Is there anybody who would like to speak on this project? If not, I'm going to close the public hearing. Sorry, if the applicant team would like to take a seat back in the audience. At this time, we're closing the public hearing. Sorry, should have been louder. Didn't want to yell at you. Thank you so much. So we're going to go into the deliberation phase on this. Do you have any comments? Tony, you want to go? Go ahead. I don't care. Uh, I really appreciate the sustainability of the project and how it seemed to be approached. Um, that is design, um, the consciousness of the landscape and the whole, the, the corridor of Victoria is an incredibly fast corridor. Yeah, most, most, of it, most of the buildings are seen driving by pretty quickly, so the building kind of being a statement, I think works. Um, the, the renderings are, were great. I wish they represented your landscape a little bit more, but I, I like that it just rained too, because that doesn't happen very often. But um, for the most part, the building I think is, is well designed and well thought out, and I would, move, I would be fine with the motion to, to move it forward. Uh, I agree with those statements. Um, I appreciate the applicant's presentation. I appreciate that it's um, uh, adapted for use of the existing building and thought and care. the style, it's modern, it's a lot of fun, and it looks like a great place to, uh, to work at every day, so um, I'm in favor 
in my comments are, generally speaking, I, I have three categories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to add a fourth called the fantastic, and that's where this falls into. This is a very well done project. I've looked at the body of your work. I have no doubt that you can handle the gutters and the downspouts and so forth. So uh, I'd like to see this project also move forward. So we'll make a motion to, to move it forward with any, and oh wait, this is going to admin. Okay, um, also with any of the um, warrants or exceptions because the ones I think that are on there are appropriate per the design. So move it forward as designed. I'll second that motion. Committee member Tomasello. Vice Chair Groudon. Yes. Chair Antelman. Yes. Thank you. We're going to uh, move forward with item number four, which is project 15367. Um, staff, please make a presentation. Just give a minute for the applicant team to. Chair, the current item on the agenda is a request for design review, warrants, exceptions, and a lot line adjustment for residential development. The project site is located southwest of Wells Road between Blackburn and Telegraph Roads. This is on the far east end of the city. The site is currently vacant and is entirely within the Parkland specific plan, which was adopted by City Council back in 2009. Some nearby projects include the farm southwest of the site and then Parkland's phase one uh, northeast of the site. The subject site is outlined in red on the screen and then nearby projects are outlined in yellow and orange on the screen. The surrounding area in this part of the city consists of commercial uses along Citrus Drive uh, and Wells Road. There's a school, private school out in this area. There are a couple of gas stations, a post office, there's a jack-in-the-box fast food restaurant, Cafe 126, and then also there are residential uses uh, along uh, Wells Road in this area. And there are single-family neighborhoods out by this area as well. The mobile home park uh, sits adjacent to the site, uh, to the southwest, uh, along Blackburn Road. Current images on the screen uh, are of two nearby projects, as mentioned uh, a moment ago. Uh, the top images consist of uh, homes that were built as, far, as part of the farm development, and then images on the bottom are Parklands Phase 1, which is currently built, and that consisted of multifamily residential housing. To provide some background history about this particular site, uh, this site involved uh, the adoption of the Parkland Specific Plan, uh, which again was adopted by Council in 2009. Uh, that specific plan uh, it basically lays out how the development will occur on this particular site. 
some of the uh, specific, plan specific plan items include architectural guidelines and landscape guidelines. Uh, and for this site in recent years, uh, the, the current applicant, Shea Homes, they purchased the site from John Ashcar uh, in recent years to develop this site and they're seeking to develop it. And currently there is a subdivision map that has been recorded and was recorded last year that lays out all the public right of ways such as the streets, the alleys, and then also laid out the individual uh, lots for the single family and the townhome units. And so what we're looking, uh, the scope of this review uh, from staff's standpoint has really been about the building design and landscaping design. And specifically, uh, when this project initially came in last year, uh, the applicant team submitted it to complete the rest of the phases for the Parklands SP, phases two, three, and four. Uh, they've since come back this year, back in March, and wanted to amend that initial scope to focus on phases two and three when it comes to building design, but yet focus on phases two, three, and four for landscaping design. And so this graphic shows which portions of the site are for phase two, phase three, and phase four. Uh, the scope of this current submittal before you, building design and landscaping design for phases two and three, and then landscaping design only for phase four. Uh, phase four will come in at a future, at a future date uh, before you for building design. Uh, the Parkland's specific plan does require design review for the development of buildings as well as uh, layout landscaping. And at this time, the applicant team will uh, present their project. Just a reminder to speak into the mic so it's picked up in the recording. Hello, okay. Um, so I'm Brooke Doy, I'm with Shea Holmes, our, I'm our Vice President of Community Development. And um, I also have Judy McLean, she is with Shea Holmes as well, and she's the um, project manager for this project. She's new to Shay. she's been with us for just a couple of months. Um, so just to get started real quick, in case you're not familiar with Shay, um, we have been up in this region. Most recently in Camarillo, we have an age-qualified project called The Grove. It's 281 homes. Um, but since 2000, we have had homes in Calabasas, Simi Valley, and Moore Park. Um, we are one of the largest private home builders, and we are operating in nine different states. Um, so that's just kind of a quick, brief overview of Shea. And then, really, the rest of our consultant team that's involved with this project, we have Mike Hesmaholch, he's with WHA Architects, it's William Hesmaholch Architects. They've been working with Shea for the past 30 years on various projects. And then we have Bob Bombardier, he's with L. Newman Design Group. Um, our landscape architect on the project, and he's actually been involved with this project for the past eight years, previously working with John Ashkar. Um, and he's a local firm, and he's done quite a few projects in the city of Ventura. And so moving on to our site plan, um, this is the overall site plan, and as Jean explained, we did modify our submittal to include just as phases two and three. And the reason behind that, the architecture it's actually our intention is for it to be the same. Um, our model complex is in the center of the site next to the rec center. But we were trying to really refine the plotting in the last phase so we didn't have as many deviations in particular to setbacks. And so there's some things we can do with the plotting to fix that. So again, 
our intention is it's all the same architecture, but we weren't quite ready to submit the site plan. Um, so yeah, we're here on phases two and three. But overall, the project has, we have three different product types. So there's 16 floor plans, and we've narrowed it down to three communities. And so we have Primero or townhomes, and then Novato and Fresco. And Mike's really going to get into the details of those. But as what was approved in the specific plan, we have a variety of different lot sizes and um, just the configuration, whether it's alley load or conventional. Majority of it is alley load. Very, it's very similar setup to the farm. And really, the only conventional is against the adjacent residents, the existing ones. Um, as noted, we have a centralized rec center. And there's a variety of maintenance assessment districts. So the city maintained and owned um, parks throughout the community. And then in regards to the architecture, I mean, we really went to a lot of effort. Um, Shea and Hesmahalt, we spent a lot of time doing charrettes and very similar, you know, big tables like this, just going through the floor plans and then later into the elevations. And obviously with 16 floor plans, it took us quite a while. Um, but we think we've really ended up with highly articulated architecture and detailing to really enhance the pedestrian and um, vehicular experience. And it's, we think, really great scale for walkability. Everything's two stories. Um, we'll be doing the front yard and the alley landscaping for consistency and um, just obviously completed product. And then um, I guess really that's probably enough to touch on the site plan. And I'll let Mike really dive into the architecture and then Bob will finish it up and touch on the landscaping. Um, and I apologize because we have a lot of slides, so you'll probably hear it next a lot. But <laughs> yeah, hello, Mike Hesmolch here. Um, so you see here, uh, this is our digital color material boards that we do in-house and we work alongside Shea Homes uh, to develop our elevational styles that we could bring to the community. We have, again, five elevational styles that we have implemented throughout the uh, site plan with the townhomes uh, and two different product types of the single family detached. Uh, this is the progressive Spanish you could scroll to the next one. Then you got the Progressive Vaughn Array, Progressive Craftsman, Progressive Coastal, and Progressive Gill. Um, these are our, these, those are all five of them right there. I, um, each style has three designed uh, around the architecture. We highlight the notable Characteristics, as you can see, the stuccos, the roofing, uh, the accent colors we use. You, yeah, you could go to the next slide. So with those color boards that we've got approved with Shea, we come in and we start applying them to our elevations. So here on Primero, we got three elevation styles. Uh, this is the townhomes, where we have the progressive gill, the progressive Spanish, and the progressive Monterey. Now, <coughs> the reasoning for all the progressive style architecture is to give a fresh look to the community, uh, not as traditional and not as contemporary, but finding that uh, good median ground. Our pro progressive design is uh, an interpretation by recognizing traditional elements 
and materials into a more contemporary manner. So that was kind of the theory into this project here. Um, now with the townhomes here, to start off with the progressive gill, where we're layering of materials, we're showing hip roofs, layered windows, colored blocking, with simple wall planes and massing. So sorry to interrupt, is it possible if staff can zoom in on those elevations as like he's talking? They're also They're, we'll, in your. We're going to break them down. Yeah, it'll break down the, the longer, the more we get into it here. But this is just like an overview of the Primero, and then we'll break down into, into each style. So the uh, progressive Spanish, we got arched soffits and arched windows. We got S tile roofing, recessed windows. We got gable elements and decorative tile accents at the entries. For progressive Monterey, we have hip roof with S-tile and flat tile roofing materials. We uh, introduce the use of wood accents, balconies, uh, accent stone, and lowered roof sheds. And then here's our Novato plans. This is the uh, our plans one through six on the single family detached. These are all alley loaded homes. Uh, containing six plans with four elevation styles that vary by plan. Um, within Novato, we start. We added a, a couple more complementary architectural styles to the scale and charm. We introduced the uh, progressive craftsman, which has shingles, outlookers, gables, new window types, and mullions. Um, and as progressive craftsman. We, rather than taking the siding uh, shingles all the way down, which is more of a traditional look, we introduced stucco to blend it in to give it a more uh, progressive and kind of lighten the look. We uh, have progressive coastal as well, which is used with board and bats, mostly gable roofs, progressive window types, uh, and window shapes with fun roof pop-outs. So that's pretty much it for the Novato. And then if we go to the next item. And Fresco is similar to Novato. It's um, on, a on a wider scale. The same elevational styles. Uh, we use the detailing. Paid close attention to organize the materials um, on a wider scale to flow from Novato into Fresco. These are also single family detached? These are the single family detached with alley loaded and conventional. Uh, these have deep recessed garages with strong front porches. So here we're kind of diving into the Primero. Here's the um, floor plans and the footprints. You can see is shaded in pink. We're, what we did here with the townhomes is we uh, detached the garages. And in pink, you can see the yard spaces where uh, we kept in mind the alleys to single car garages with single story. Or sorry, yeah. single, single story garages. Two uh, car. Yeah. 
to help the massing on the alley sides to not you know, tighten you up too much. Um, <coughs> there's four floor plans ranging from 1,654 square feet to 1,872 square feet, three to four bedrooms. Uh, we have a three-plex, four-plex, five-plex, and six-plex buildings. And again, these are just the Spanish Monterey and the Gill elevational styles. This totals 89 units. Uh, and then we have personalized entries that have been designed by separation and site entries, providing the homeowner their own personal experience to entering. Um, I think what this floor plan is trying to show you, and you see it on the next slide too, is we have a side entry on the plan four, and that's because it's up against a street edge. And then when it's not up against a street edge and it's either just an alley or, in you know, you've got two buildings next to each other, then that plan has a front entry. And so you can see the side elevation when that occurs on the right. Yeah, these are just showcasing the the townhomes, the threeplex and fourplex, fiveplex. They're all the similar variants of styles, adding additional units to them. And as you can see, uh, the entries we got covered entries with the stone and different uh, different ways for the homeowner to have their own experience of entering their house on the townhome. When you get to the 600, you'll see we introduced uh, balconies, good, nice, wood, strong balconies to the site. Um, you got the decorative tile and pretty strong front elevation. So here's the one-story garages I was talking about that are detached. Uh, we split, uh, we split them up into twos to create access points through and with the relationship to the yard, uh, we use the stairs to flow with the topography and grades of the site. About 20% of the lots will have steps in between the house to the yard and then from the yard down to the alley. The rest are all just at grade. So here is Novato, the alley loaded plans. You can see the footprints with the s uh, yards to the side and the footprints are wrapping around the yard. Um, six floor plans, elevation styles, four elevation styles. This square footage ranges from 2,023 square feet to 2,791 square feet. Three to four bedrooms. This is 80 homes. We've got an additional 64 homes on the next phase. Uh, these are composite floor plans that live to the street, uh, wrapping around private yards, and we have corner uh, lots that flip, create creating great relationships to the streets. 
Moving into plan one for Novato, this is on a 30 by 90 foot lot, alley loaded. Plan one has three elevation styles. It's 2,023 square feet, three bedrooms, 2.5 baths with a flex room, a two bay garage. This one has a volume staircase, a den down, and a great room. The great room has nice corner windows. If you scroll to the left, the great, when you walk in, you got the entry with the volume staircase going into the great room with the corner windows that are looking straight into the private yard to give a good open, welcoming feel. And you can see the different styles. We got the, oh, the different elevational styles. <coughs> Here's the side, the elevation wraps for the plan one. You can see where we have dashed lines is where we're showing enhancements. This is for um, corner elements and vis street visible uh, sides that we will place more detail, architectural detail into to enhance street scenes and to enhance uh, the community. Plan two, this is the unique specific lot. Uh, we had some fun with designing this lot. It's alley loaded with, it only has one elevational style because this only occurs four times in the lot. It's 2,443 square feet, three bedrooms, 2.5 baths, a loft with a two bay garage. Plan three is on a 30 by 90 foot lot, alley loaded, three elevation styles, 2,197 square feet, three bedrooms, three bath. It has an optional bedroom, four, two bay garage. Uh, and the plan three is where we start getting into some design guidelines and start implementing some wall breaks. Throughout, you can see that we created a wall break off the primary bath floor plan at the second level. Um, we have bike storage in the garage, bedroom down, and then the plan three is where we start uh, as we gradually increase in square footage. Uh, throughout the plans, we uh, will start increasing higher detailing, and this is where we start implementing like optional sliders and such to open up the private yard more and uh, create create good opportunities for the home buyer. Plan four is the largest of the 35 by 90 foot lots. It's alley loaded with three elevational styles. 2,430 square feet, it's four bedrooms, three baths, a loft, a flex room, a two bay garage. We have a massing variety to the street. Uh, we have a pocket entry coming in, looking straight into the private yard. We have the optional slider with a large great room and dining that's working, wrapping around the whole side yard. And this upstairs, we've got the optional den, um, and we have a flex room that could be used for home offices, 
homework, tech room, et cetera. I see, and just to clarify, the optional slider, it's an extended slider. So there's a standard slider, but depending on the product, you could get a 12080 or we go up to 16080, so a 16 wide slider, but that, I think that's on the Fresco products. Again, with the uh, site of, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, <coughs> with the site elevations, you can see the dashed yard lines and uh, fence lines, how the side yard and the optional slider would operate to serving the, the yards. And on the sides, we spent diligent time organizing our windows, placements. Uh, and so forth, so everything could activate our private yards. Plan five is a 45 by 90 foot lot, alley loaded, three elevation styles. This is 2,768 square feet. This is starting to increase in bedroom count. We got four bedrooms, 3.5 baths, a loft, optional bedroom five, a study, and then we got a three bay garage. We got a, a good wide porch on this plan. We got the read through entry, and we got massing variety to the street. side yard relationship, the uh, optional, this, it's hard to read on this plan, but, or on the PowerPoint, but we have dashed enhancements that could further uh, detail the, the elevations. So now we're coming into our fresco product. This is the larger of the uh, and wider single family detached product. These are plans seven through 12. And we have six floor plans. We got uh, one of the plans has an ADU unit above the garage. These, this product is both alley and conventional loaded. They range from 2,754 square feet to 35 square feet, three to five bedrooms, and we got 32, 40, uh, 32 of them being built, 40 on the uh, next phase. This is similar to Novato, and these have big recessed garages, wide front porches, organized windows, and uh, use of detailing with horizontal and vertical detailing to really create strong front elevation presence to the streets. Plan seven is a 40 by 50 foot lot. It's alley loaded and this one's got the ADU on the back. This one has, uh, the main dwelling unit is 2,754 square feet, four bed, 5.5 bath, flex room, loft, and a two bay garage. The ADU unit above the garage is 690 square feet. And uh, 
the detached garage below has a two-bay garage to the main dwelling unit and a one-bay garage uh, separate to serve the ADU unit. And they have separate entrances as well, and the ADU unit has a little side yard, and the main dwelling unit uh, will be utilizing the middle ground of the yard. Plan 8 is a 52 by 84 lot. This is where the larger we get up and in square footages, we start getting the variety of larger uh, lot sizes. It's a conventionally loaded home with two elevation styles. This one uh, only occurs three times, four times on the next phase. Uh, about 2,900 square feet four beds, 3.5 baths, a loft, a two-bay garage. This one we have uh, no windows on the upper level from the design guidelines as we are uh, restricted from those. We got a 20-foot rear yard with a really good covered patio. This is a mid-recess garage plan with a primary bedroom forward and a covered patio into a nice side yard. And that window restriction is against the existing residential communities. Yeah. No windows on the rear. Right. Unless they're higher than seven feet, I believe. And so we do have some 3016 windows and later plans. But Plan 9 is a 52 by 70 foot lot, alley loaded, four elevational styles due to 22 total units, 2,997 square feet, four bedrooms, 4.5 baths, a bonus room, a two bay garage. Uh, this has a nice covered patio with an optional fireplace large two-floor uh, bonus room on the second level, looking out into the rear yard. Here you'll see on the plan nine, we start uh, giving a little more variety of detailing. We, In this case, we took the shingles all the way down. We got the stone elements underneath the windows. So uh, throughout the project, we do our best to utilize materials and mix up each plan to give uh, a homeowner their own, their own identity. Plan 10's on a 89 by 84 foot lots, conventional loaded, three elevation styles, 340, uh, 303,000, or sorry, 3,340 square feet, four bedrooms, 4.5 baths, a loft, a flex room, two bay garage with storage. This is a deep recess garage that has both single and double car garage doors. We have a nice porched entry. And as you come in, we have the wrapped volume staircase a well-shaped loft overlooking the volume staircase with open handrails. 
this one has a nice covered patio. And again, as we increase the square footage, we are increasing detailing. We're offering the large optional slider, the 16-0, and we're offering the optional fireplace at the covered patio. The plantain you'll notice has on the on the right of the lower floor plan, you can see we're offering a gen suite with its own separate entry. Uh, it's got its own bedroom, bath, and living area with its own stackable laundry. And so this this plan could be used for you know aging in place. You could rent it out. It has multiple varieties, and you could also access the gen suite from the main house. From the plan 10, we have the plan 10X. This is a site-specific design where we flip the garage to create an alley-loaded 10. And this is on an 80 by 90 foot lot. Plan 11 is a hybrid of the Plan 10. Site specific again. This is a 63 by 90 foot lot. Alley loaded, three elevation styles, 3,368 square feet, four bedrooms, 4.5 baths, a loft, a flex room, a two bay garage with a large storage. This one, however, does not have window restriction. The plan 10 had a window restriction, so we couldn't put windows upstairs, but this one did not. So this is the plan 11. We implemented a lot of windows on the rear. The plan 12 is on an 89 by 84 foot lot. It's conventionally loaded three elevation styles, 3,516 square feet, five bedrooms, 4.5 baths, a loft, an optional flex room, a two-bay garage with tandem. The plan 12 also has one car garage doors and two car garage doors. This one has a grand volume entry extended dining room, covered patio, optional fireplace, the large optional slider, lotted, this is, yeah. So this is the largest plan, and it's got good use of Y large materials. And the plan 12 also has an X plan that has a four-car garage accessed off the alley similar to the Plan 10X. Here's the rec center, the centralized rec center in the site where we utilize the coastal elevation style to keep it similar to the, to the community. And we have an elongated pool with a open community gathering within the rec center that lives to the pool. 
getting into the landscape here where Bob will take over. Good evening. Bob Bombardier, El Newman Design Group. And uh, as I said earlier, we've worked on this project since the beginning. We didn't do the Parklands Apartments, although I was a peer group to watch over it for the developer. Um, we've already finished the uh, MAD plans, Maintenance Assessment District, along with the four parks interior of the project. So a lot of it has uh, backbone set up before Shane came aboard, and uh, those three phases have been approved. Um, we uh, set up the street trees uh, with city staff. Uh, it's all set, the irrigation's all set up on city central. Uh, it is all subsurface irrigation. Um, so we've continued into the uh, common area recreation areas was shown earlier. And we've also uh, done the uh, parkways uh, behind, or the parkways that are adjacent to the right of way, the common areas and the uh, front yards uh, we also are landscaping the alleys, um, and uh, we're using a variety of trees. Uh, many of them are, are low drought tolerant, but there are some that are medium, and what we'll have to do is, is show that we're meeting MWILO. We have a water allowance and a water used, and uh, we believe we'll meet that. And we're compartmentalized right now by phase, but it's, it's working itself out. Um, one thing we did before uh, on the project with John Ashgar's group is we set up the uh, parkways as a bioswale, and since then they've changed the basin to collect most of the water. So no longer are the parkways required to be a full bioswale. They're only a, a catch point. And so what we've asked the engineer to do is actually fill them in a little bit more so we could get a little bit more different planting in there because right now it's set up as all fescue, and it's, even though it's a low water use, uh, over time we've seen that the, the maintenance has turned down the water and they've turned brown, you can see that even at the apartments right now. So we've recommended some substitutes in, in the package uh, to, to make those changes. Uh, also the parks, uh, Shea would like to go to more of a recycled composite and more earth-toned uh, play equipment and picnic tables, et cetera, and we put that in the package for recommendation. Even though the plans have been approved, they'd have to go back and resubmit them uh, for a reapproval. But we're moving forth with the, uh, the front yards and, and uh, the alley package, uh, all individual. Uh, we've set up the model homes, the parking lot for the model homes, and they're pretty extravagant. We have a composite in the package you received, but we've got them at full size detailed, ready to go out to bid. Uh, a couple have pools, a couple have spas. Um, Shay's doing a really nice project. I don't know if you have any questions for me, but. Our wall and fence plan. Um, what we're doing is any, any uh, Lots that are facing the street will have a block wall unless they're uh, part of the alley. And, and the rest of the fencing interior, that a six-foot masonry block wall, and the rest of uh, the project will be uh, tan vinyl, separating the lots and, and the uh, units themselves with vinyl gates. And that concludes our portion. Or if you want anything to follow and up. Oh, and then... Uh, 
staff can team have anything else to add that we can go to staff. We have a couple of slides, just a yeah, summary. Staff have any further comments? Yeah, go to the next slide. So uh, just as uh, an additional note, there are warrants and exceptions as part of this request. Uh, those warrants and exceptions uh, revolve around garage doors, uh, private open space in the yard areas, and as well as building setbacks. Uh, it's staff's uh, position that those uh, warrants and exceptions are fairly minor uh, and that this project uh, for the most part achieves a lot of the goals in the parkland specific plan uh, as from the architectural standpoint as well as the landscaping. And so staff, we're looking for feedback uh, from the DRC regarding uh, additional details and some questions that we have on the screen regarding some of the spe specific architectural styles that the applicant team has uh, submitted. And this concludes staff's presentation. And we're happy to elaborate on like the warrants and exceptions too, if you have questions, so. questions I have a few questions I guess but um, just kind of backing up to the overall proposal so I was trying to read through and understand um, I understand that the street grid system or the street system is all already set up as part of the, uh, the tentative map have the, the, the final map also recorded for this for these phases and are those improvement plans all done and everything like that? Yeah, when we purchased the property, the improvement plans were already approved and the final, well, pending approval, the final map had to get recorded and that was all part of our transaction. So as soon as it recorded, we posted the bonds, we closed escrow, then all the plans got stamp signed. At this point, we've graded, the wet utilities are about 90% in, streets are graded, and we're starting dry utilities in a week. So yeah, the project was already well down the path. So the lot line adjustment, it occurs at the um, townhome lots. The original plan, for example, along Telegraph, it was like two, eight or nine, I think nine plex buildings. Um, and we just thought the math, it was too much. And so we wanted to go with three smaller buildings, but you couldn't have a building right over a lot line. So we made just one big lot instead. And so there's that lot line adjustment, and then there's another one for the same reason at the townhomes closer to the park up at the top. So that's what the lot line adjustments were for. Can staff point at those on, on the plan for use of the road map? If you look at the So the lot line adjustments, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Brooke, uh, the townhome units are located along the western, this portion of the side on the left side of the screen, and then along uh, the perimeter road. The lot line adjustments are occurring on a couple of uh, lots here, and we just oh, it was this portion and this portion, uh, where they are proposing to remove a couple of lot lines to make a couple of lots large, a few lots larger. To, because the issue that they were having was that um, if it was either A, they were going to need 
an exception for the setback, building setbacks, or just to remove a lot line and to make the lots a little larger so that way they wouldn't have the setback issue for the townhome unit, for some of the townhome units. Just clarification questions on some of the elevations. The progressive hill, um, I was looking, I think these are on the townhome units. Sorry. I think all my questions are mostly about the, the smaller townhome units. So we've got like this blue color. Uh, is that a, is that a, just a facade or is that a recess of what component there? I couldn't tell exactly. Yeah, it's just a, use of window detailing for the shutters no they're uh, no they'll be foam and uh, they're, they're used to help you know give a little accent and we use the windows to give a little recess you can tell a little pop out so you got the clean stucco and you come into you know a fresh trim is kind of the intent there. So the, the trim or the foam will be used to sort of create a little bit of recess with the window. Right, yeah, we use it to create recesses to give a little break up from the stucco lines. And then the stucco finish, is that a sandstone area? Yeah, it's a sand finish. Yeah, in your booklet, it's probably easier to see, and then it does call out the materials per elevation. Um. <coughs> yeah, it's a 60-20 sand finish. And then the, um, there were some of the 30 by 90 uh, lots that had, a, I think it was a detached um, garage. Is that correct? Some of those 30 by 90s? The detached garages are only at the townhomes and then the plan seven on Fresco. Yeah, but the, for the single family, the plan seven is the only one with the detached, but that's, we're utilizing the ADU unit above. Okay. I was just curious, is that some of the other developments that you guys have done when you have those detached um, garages, are you seeing a lot of conversions to ADUs or anything like that when you haven't already planned for them uh, after, you, after you sell? No, I mean, to be honest, we haven't done a lot of the detached garages, um, and so I don't have that experience in our other HOAs. I mean, I'm not seeing it happening, but again, those are on attached garages, so. And would these be, these would be owned in fee by the, the condo owner, or the, is it technically a condo? It's going to be on a condo plan, condo and so plan. we'll have a special benefit area that will, from the HOA, that'll have the maintenance for the structure of all the townhome buildings. Okay. So they'll only own the airspace. Okay. And have like an exclusive right to utilize mm -hmm. the garage. Correct, yep. And same with their yard, it'll be an exclusive uses in that. And then um, landscaping, you guys just do front yards, I understand. Is that correct? The 
the rear yards wouldn't be landscaped. Let's see, the private yards are not being done, right? Right, we'll do the alleys, so from the gate to the alley. So anything basically visible, we'll do, and then we'll just leave dirt in the stoop for the homeowners. Those are all my questions for now, thank you. Thank you. really germane to what we're doing tonight, but where do people go to the store? That's a great question. Take it in the car and drive? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Judy's more familiar with the area, so I don't know if you know where the nearest store is. It's okay. I was going to um, say, I... You said you went through a design charrette. What, where, who, was, who got involved? So, for our internal team, it's pretty much our senior management team, and then same with um, the Hesmaholch team. Uh, so and it's an internal. It's an internal. We have a consultant, Howard Englander, um, and he now works exclusively for Shea, but that's all he does, and he does it for all of our divisions with our architect teams. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That's it. Uh, yeah. I say it's really it's what's common in production home building. I mean that's what we're doing at every one of our projects. Um. It, yeah, it's pretty common. In the middle of this design, actually, with all the supply chain issues going on, we actually started doing a window study on how what can the client get from. So we actually took some sliders off and did some of those things uh, to accommodate the supply chain issue. Honestly, I don't know if it's a cost issue. I'm not sure. Yeah, recess, we do it on a two by six with the two by four. It's um, the six-inch half round and then the three-inch round downspout, and it's RGS, and we have different colors depending on what the elevation is. And then, yeah, then the round. Where we no, it's not. Um, I don't know the material. Yeah, um, we've worked with a civil engineer on this. Our intention is we'll tie in the downspouts to the area drain systems wherever we can. Yeah, they're, they're the round, definitely they round. They're pre-finished. I mean, I see them, but they're not the copper ones. I know that. What material do you prefer? 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're metal. I mean, we typically use the metal. Yeah, I don't, they're definitely not vinyl. Detailing around the windows and that actually come towards you, are those all, did you say they were foam? Well, I mean, typically in stucco conditions, we use foam, and then when we implement siding, shingles, board and bat, we use wood. Yeah, that's a stone shelf we put below the windows. We we utilize horizontal siding under the upper window and a stone seat on the below window to not over materialize the elevations, but apply materials in an organized manner to give it a, a fresh look. With the with the stone, it uh, with the stone and the one above the upper. Yeah, floor. so the stone's a little pop out below the window. Yeah, it's like like a stone shelf or seat, as you will. It's a you know pop out to How give. How far? Uh, I would assume that one's probably like possibly a foot out. You frame it out and then that mm -hmm. big stone mm -hmm. thing there. Right. Yeah. So you pop it out like a shelf to to give some massing variety to the elevation. So here with the massing, we use the stone at the front right there. And then you can see we pushed back the right side of the elevation where we used the deck and the covered entry as well. And then further right, we have more massing pushed back. So we have a variety of massing we use. And then with the horizontal siding at the window, we use that as a windowing detailing element to give it extra strength and to, to treat it as a little recess. You can see the shadowing. So that's kind of the feel there. So is that what you guys Yes, I believe it does. What kind of stone is it? That is <coughs> like a brick veneer or something. That yeah, it could be a thin set brick veneer. That would be, it should be a thin set brick veneer. Yeah, I mean, the 
color and made this called out in here, but in the color schemes, but it's. Along with the mortar at the brick and yeah, there's some. Maybe a dumb question. I'm I'm not a historian or anything, but is, is brick a traditional material that's applied to a, a Monterey style, like in a Spanish style? I'd, I'd traditionally see more of like a sandstone. Yeah, that w stone. Stone could be is used in Monterey. stone as well. Manufactured as a weird stone veneer. There's no correspondence in here We have two speakers tonight. Tim Nicely, followed by Dustin Pappas. Thanks for having me. Um, to answer your question, committee members, the kids here go to school at Satakoy, which is called Atlas, um, Balboa, and Buena. My kids go to three or two of those three schools. So, um, I, I'm a huge fan of this project. Just want to have it on the record, um, and I think it's great to bring families to the area. I've seen it revitalize Santa Paula when East Area One was built. It's been good for everybody so far. Um, I was very pleased when I found out that Shea bought the project, by the way, because I had a good experience with them in other, other areas, River Park and others. So, great. Um, I own the Craftsman, the 1912 Craftsman House that's directly across the street on Telegraph Road. And uh, it was the David Brown House, which is the namesake for the Brown Barranca. It's taken so much of the project's effort so far, dewatering and building the area. Um, I think I'm the only neighbor who actually faces the project directly. It's the view from my uh, porch and my bedroom window, first thing I see when I wake up. So, um, And I also think that the view along Telegraph Road is the principal way that most people from the outside see the project. Can't see it as well from Wells Road, the on-ramp, Blackburn, nobody really drives that as is, they will more. So I guess my questions are more about that part of the Primero on the left side of the map. I'm just on the left side, off the left side of the map from where my house is. Um, the street wall was mentioned in the staff report for this, but not the presentation. Um, I guess my big question is how that will either mimic or interact with the street wall, con the concept of the first phase that's already built. Will this kind of match what's already there in the phase one that's at the corner of Wells and Telegraph? specifically with regard to the setback, landscaping, architectural design. That's my main question. And then follow-on questions. Is the look and feel of that portion of the property like the 
slide that was shown is slide 68 or 73. Is it specifically already decided and it just wasn't super clear? All the neighbors are curious of what that's going to look like along there. So nice if you could bring that back to them. And then the related question is whether that lot line adjustment affects the setback from the street of that home. So I think we're already getting a no on that. So that's an easy one. Just shake of the head. Those are my questions. Justin Pappas. Uh, I currently live at uh, uh, Parkland's Apartments that's attached to this, and, and those are absolutely beautiful and really well designed. I was just curious if that this these designs look very separate from what the apartments are. Um, if I could buy my apartment, I would. It's that well done, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so. That was my question is there seems to be a kind of an abrupt change between the architectures in this and then also too i didn't catch the the town how the townhomes uh like how many bedrooms are in the townhomes i didn't catch that uh, so that would be nice to know and also to affordability those are really massive properties that you guys are building and it, they're great but it would be nice to know you know price range um what are we looking the other thing too is Telegraph is a very loud road, um, very noisy, and the wall that is going to um, go along Telegraph would be nice to make sure that whatever it is is to block as much sound as possible because it is a, a very loud corner. Thank you. Any more? All right, I'm going to call five-minute recess, and then we can continue our Which is why we don't see much of that one, because it just makes it like kind of high up. So we're working on it, you know. Yeah. So that it will turn into a lot more detail when it goes up there, maybe. Uh -huh. She seems she doesn't approve.
The recess is over, and I'm going to close the public hearing portion, and then we're going to go into discussion on this project. Uh, does anyone have any comments? Just do a quick reminder to make sure we're talking in our mics, especially for the deliberation of motion. Can you, can you hear it? Please okay. talk into the mic. I'll try to enunciate better. I'm sorry. I think it's your microphone, actually. Is it? Yeah, it's a little distorted. I'm not sure if I asked this. Do any of the family members have any ex parte communication on this project? I have no. not. Any concerns, any issues? For me, I think there's a obviously a lot of different design and elements and, and details to consider. Um, specifically on the ones that, that we reviewed, I feel like there's, uh, that we discussed during the questions portion. Um, I feel like there's some details that um, don't necessarily contribute to to the design or function of the home, and I feel like they're kind of added on. Um, if there were opportunities to revise those, I, I think I'd be a fan of that. Um, I think that's probably my biggest comment at, at this point, but uh, overall, I think that they, they look quite nice, and I would recommend landscape architect on what they've put together and presented. There's a lot of information, a lot of variety here. No, not really. My, my issues are so much, so long ago with <laughs> the, the, the planning. And absolutely. I absolutely don't, don't think we should, they should be using uh, vinyl windows or foam, foam for the things, but I don't know that that's, 
I don't know what alternative to, to recommend at that scale. I, I definitely do not think there's, that vinyl windows should be used. I think Gandhi other materials they're they're prefabricated foam pieces that are applied on yeah they're stuck on and they they do have a weird uh, uh, life lifespan uh, life cycle so they I don't agree that they have they don't have issues <laughs> um, but I don't know what to recommend for an alternative just talk a little bit about maintainability. I live about a mile away. My house was built in 74, and I've got those beams that protruded out. Well, 1990, I had to replace them because of termites recently. So they are termite-free. You might want to consider that. In 2005, I decided I wasn't going to replace them anymore, and I took them out. So uh, there's a maintainability issue. If we don't keep them in there, uh, notch the beams, don't notch the rafters, which makes it a lot easier to do the replacement. So I'm not going to ask anyone to put that in your motion, but it's something you might want to consider. I mean, termites out there are ferocious. Uh, it is an issue. I'm glad to see that you're using half-round gutters, because I think that's more appropriate for the uh, Craftsman-type style. Um, I think your styles, you know, you're making an attempt. At, uh, I wouldn't call it a true craftsman or a true slash. It's, it's got the flavor, and it's probably enough of a flavor that you can use the term. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more of the flavor, but uh, I think what you have here is sufficient. Um, also, as we go forward, the beams, primary trees, they're all the gutters, because uh, I think you're showing most of the gutters and downspouts, but there's a few elevations. I just don't know how you're going to get a downspout in there. I, I hate to see these as something that's tacked on later on with no thought, because it, it really takes away from the look of the architecture. Uh, and I'm not going to put that in your motion either, because I think you're capable of understanding what I'm asking. We need to what? The windows is an issue or, or not? I'll go ahead and make a motion. I, I think um, uh, I'd like to move the recommend design approval with the recommendation um, that vinyl windows be uh, eliminated or, or consider the use of a, an alternative material for for the windows. Can you consider them now? I, I'm, I'm, I'd prefer to consider. You can recommend changes to the motion. No, I don't have a problem with your motion. I just have a hard time. Well, for what we're doing and where we're at with the project or the production of homes, it's, it would be fine. It's I have a hard time with production with two people. I, I will say, you know, obviously this isn't a, a downtown infill yeah. uh, site, higher density. This is um, 
know, hundreds of, of homes, uh, a variety of, of sizes um, that meet a variety of different needs in our community. Um, I, I do think that for sale homes are an important component of the uh, kind of housing stock in our community. Um, you know, it's not, it's not one or the other, it's kind of all, all residential home housing opportunities are, are important. Um, I imagine that there were affordable housing requirements as part of the original specific plan. We didn't really get into that, um, but um, I'm confident that, that that was the case. Um, obviously, that's not in our purview or, or anything at, at this point, but just kind of giving a little bit of context for uh, what's before us tonight and where they are in the process. Um, generally, I, I think the specifically on the design, um, I think that they have done a was it 16 different models with even more color palettes? I mean, the, the variety um, that I think that they've put forward and, and uh, put uh, into thinking these designs through is, is certainly evident. I think obviously with that many uh, options, there's details to be worked out um, and it's going to be their, their job to make sure that those are done as uh, appropriately as possible, and, and at the end of the day, they're going to be selling these to to people who want to buy them. So, um, I think that uh, for those reasons, I think that I'm, I trust that they're going to make them look good and and uh, create a community that people want to live in. So I agree with all. I concur, and I agree with almost all of what you said, uh, especially the for sale part. It's nice to have for sale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for what it for production homes. It is what it, it is, and I, I I'm fine with your motion. Let me make sure I understand you. Is there a second question? The, the motion that uh, committee member Tomasello made was to uh, approve recommendation to the planning commission with a consideration of the use of other material besides vinyl windows. We do need a second. I didn't second. I didn't second. Committee member Tomasello. Yes. Vice Chair Groudon. Yes. Chair Antelman. Yes. Thank you. Yes, pre-applications and conceptual design is always an option that's presented and it is the applicant's choice. Uh, 
depends. Some of the guidelines uh, sit in different form-based codes, and it's really when those form-based codes went through adoption. So uh, they vary from area to area where the form-based codes have been included. It is an ob objective and a goal of the Community Development Department to do design guidelines, and we're doing a um, RFP and in contract with a consultant that is going to assist in preparing those. I sent you an email and I never got a response. But when I look at the guidelines, and I look at page 39 of uh, the Thompson Boulevard, you list five, five concerns on here. How do I know which is the most important? You know, is it the orientation of the building? Is it the parking? parking? Is it service and utility and loading? I mean, if we're going to have guidelines, are there weights to the guidelines, or do I decide what's the most important in the guidelines? So the, the guidelines, unless it's written in them, that these ones are more important than others, and things like shall do something is a requirement versus should or consider is a suggestion. That's typically how guidelines are weighted. So if something says you shall do these things, it is uh, indication in those guidelines that those, those things should be or shall be incorporated. we do our evaluations, we can know what we put at the top and what we put at the bottom. Uh, this one said, I'll do shall, I'll do shall, I'll do may. I'm, uh, Chair Adamon, if you want to talk more about design guidelines, we can definitely agendize it to discuss. I would caution going too much into detail about talking through what should and shouldn't, because that wasn't agendized tonight to discuss. But if that's something the committee wants to discuss, we no, can I, agendize. I conflicts that I, I see arising and, uh, and the choices that I need to make when, when there, there are no weights to the guidelines. Uh, so yeah, if we could agendize that, that would be, that would be good. Uh, I think these guidelines are very, very helpful for us in reviewing the project. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to make sure I give them due consideration. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Chair Adelman. And as we do the guidelines, um, the city, the citywide ones, or the overlay that we are working on, that is going to come before um, the DRC for discussion, and that's absolutely the opportunity to talk about how should they be arranged or formatted or prioritized. If if the desire is, hey, this is priority level one, or uh, in these areas, these things are more important uh, to focus on, and then in, in these areas, these things are more important to focus on. There's many ways of approaching those. Um, and so that's really done in the, the inception and creation of those guidelines. Nobody else has any comments, questions, concerns? Uh, well, I, well, I agree with you. <laughs> I'd like to see, I mean, I, we don't really have a weight on this, but yeah, these guidelines need to be updated and, and redone and, and nothing against who created them, but this is a long time ago. And um, they talk about the Bandar and the Bandar is not, it doesn't even exist. Uh, unfortunately, um, and they just aren't even germane to this. This part of the guidelines are not even germane to that. This part of Thompson anymore. So, it, and and it's no fault really of the guidelines. It's more the time uh, t what time has passed. I did appreciate staff including those though, just to provide the context, because there are a lot of documents and guidelines and that are relevant for us to be aware of. Yeah. And, and 
and not just uh, whole wheat grow out. So um, I, I do hope that staff continues to, to provide those uh, for our reviewers and, and try to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree with providing them. I just think that it's more the shall, should, there aren't really those in there. And there, I, I don't see any shalls in here. And, um, and when do you wait them? Like what, what's the wait? Why is why was Art Deco important in this and not uh, pointing out the, the other parts that also seem to have just as much weight to me? So I agree with the weighted question, and I don't know that's even you know germane to what we what we do, but they should be. It seemed like they should be addressed and updated. Yeah, and and through the process, the consultant can provide a variety of ways to approach guidelines. Um, I think, you know, the general plan update is occurring right now, which is going to be the overarching vision and goals and policies and actions for the community. The, the goal then after the general plan is adopted is to then go and look at our zoning code and all of our specific plan areas, which are corridor, form-based codes, those all um, need a look at and updating and tweaking as they were mostly done in the 2000s. So we, we don't disagree with you. We have the tools that we have and are using what we have, but yes, there needs to be um, updates. There's, as you guys are aware, some of the same exceptions we run across in almost every project about the rear 50% or the open space in the rear 15 feet of the, the project. Those are opportunities to look at those. Are those still relevant? Do they need adjusting um, and, and reconsidering of it? Because we are seeing those you know, triggered with almost every project. I, I will say that it would also be helpful to have um, a discussion about the objective standards. I know the city, it's been on the city's radar for a long time. Yes. Uh, but things that we may recommend uh, and have no ability to require uh, as DRC members, it would be helpful to consider putting those types of things in objective standards so that uh, they could have some teeth. Yeah, absolutely. A housing element, which was adopted in January of this year, had a objective to bring forward objective design guidelines for that very specific reason. Not I'm sorry. <laughs> standards, objective design standards, um, so that uh, those can be reviewed. That will come to the DRC as well as we develop those. Thank you. Thank you. It seems like if this is accomplished, then the staff should tell us what guideline, which standards were met and what standards were not met, or possibly, you know, maybe they're not, you know, there's a degree of uncertainty whether they were met or not. I think that would be helpful in making that decision. And one other comment, uh, staff did a great job uh, on presentation last week. Uh, so stand well done. We appreciate that. Meeting is adjourned. Uh, I'm sorry, can I just have one update real quick? I just want to make sure to, to announce for everyone. The um, May 4th and the May 18th DRC meeting that's regularly scheduled for those Wednesdays will be canceled and then we will hold the special meeting of May 19th, which is a Thursday of the DRC, so for, the, for those listening. Thank you, that was it. Okay, meeting is adjourned.